Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. It's unlike a lot of people that, you know, some moderate alcohol consumption doesn't seem like something we should be worried about. And, it, and it's something most of us do. I think we all realize that, that alcohol consumption at some point becomes dangerous and is linked to, to all kinds of, of diseases and, frankly, all kinds of deaths each year. So th- there is a danger when it comes to alcohol consumption. But, but where is that danger? Where does it begin? Well, maybe we're looking for a, a line that doesn't exist, a distinction that doesn't exist. Maybe alcohol is dangerous, and that's where the, the story ends. A large new global study published in The Lancet, as BBC describes it, has confirmed previous research, which has shown that there is no safe level of alcohol consumption. The researchers admit moderate drinking may protect against heart disease, but found the risk of cancer and other diseases outweighs these protections. The findings were said to be the most significant to date because of the range of factors considered. That's the Global Burden of Disease Study, as mentioned, published in The Lancet. Joining us uh, to talk more about it is the lead author of this study, uh, Max Griswold, who's with the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington. Professor Griswold, welcome to the program. Hi, pleasure to be here. All right, well, give us a bit more of an overview then of, of what it is you're, you're, you're measuring here, how we go about answering this question of, of alcohol risk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, it's part of a, a greater study called the Global Burden of Disease, where we're just trying to figure out uh, how everyone is dying everywhere and what they're dying from. And as part of that study, we wanted to calculate how much people are drinking and who's drinking, and also the risk associated with that. And so over the course of uh, about three years, we collected a wide, wide variety of evidence. Um, we, we have tons of surveys, about 700 on how much people are consuming and where, about 600 studies, um, from cohort data on, on what the risk is associated with alcohol use and, and various outcomes. And we tried to put it all on a table and, and get the most comprehensive picture we could of alcohol use and its relationship to health. Because we, we do have a lot of evidence indicating that alcohol is a, a risk factor for, for all kinds of different diseases. But in terms of what level of consumption is, is necessary to get that risk to, to an unacceptable level, how do we answer that question? Well, it depends on what your level of being unacceptable is. It's going to differ from individual to individual. But we were looking at a very broad picture about how many people are dying globally. We found that at the global average right now, it's about 2.8 million deaths each year. So that's quite a bit. But that's also people are drinking very heavily all the way down to people are drinking very little while. So we, we did another analysis to just look at uh, how much would, uh, how many deaths would occur at various uh, levels of drinking. So say uh, people are drinking uh, two drinks per day, which is quite common, it's about uh, 1.2 million deaths. And if we go down to one drink per day, so if every drinker in the world right now was only drinking one drink per day, there'd still be about 
100 to 200,000 global deaths. So perhaps that's acceptable to um, some policymakers and individuals, but I think each person needs to come to their own conclusions about what's a safe level for them in tandem with their doctor. So you would say, though, that the evidence tells us that one drink a day is not safe. Oh, yeah. As soon as you're at that level, your risk of getting one of these outcomes increases by what's going to sound like a small number, 0.5%. But that's about a one out of 200 chance of developing one of these conditions. And that's a, that's a higher, higher risk than maybe some people will be uh, comfortable with. Right. Um, now, when we see, for example, in, in this BBC article I, I, was, I was referencing mm-hmm. off the top, mentions how moderate drinking can have some protections against things like heart disease, but then other mm-hmm. risks cancel that out? Yeah, so uh, there, there's just a wide variety. And so when you look at some ischemic heart disease, diabetes, and ischemic stroke, those ones, alcohol at the level of one to up about three drinks per day, can have what we call a protective effect. It, you, you go down by about 20% chance of getting those diseases. But at the same time, your risk of getting a whole host of cancers, things like uh, your nose, throat, stomach, liver, um, all the way down, uh, goes up quite a bit, as do um, just the amount of injuries we see in a population as well, from drunk driving accidents and, and violence and things of that nature. And, and also uh, just what we call communicable diseases. So uh, your chances of getting um, maybe rare in, in Canada, but pretty common elsewhere, tuberculosis and, and lower respiratory infection. And so when we put it all together, it looked like um, at the level of drinking, like one a day, um, the, the net effect of the cancers kind of cancels out any protective effect you'd be getting from the heart disease, depending on your level of risk. What about lifestyle? And, and you know, we, we look to, to lifestyle as a way of, of mitigating a lot of these risks. Mm-hmm. How, how can lifestyle offset uh, the, the risks of alcohol, or, or does it? Um, it can depend. It's like anything else. If you're exercising and doing everything right in your life otherwise, then raising your risk a little bit from alcohol might not be a big deal. But if you're not um, performing those kind of actions, then this could be a significant risk factor for you, especially if you're drinking uh, two to three to four drinks a day, which uh, in some places in the world they do. So everybody in the world reduced their consumption of alcohol, not not to zero necessarily, but say <laughs> reduced it by a third, or reduced it in half. Would, would that result in measurable changes? Oh, yeah, that, that would be absolutely phenomenal. If we could cut even a quarter of consumption, we would likely save about a million lives each year. That's, that's a lot in my book. Do you believe that that we need policies that that push people in that direction? I, I, I think people should be incentivized to drink less. I, I think it'd be good to have this be more on special occasions. You know, I'll still go out for a, a wine tasting on occasion or to celebrate an event. I'm just not consuming on the level of every day. And, and I hope our policymakers can kind of uh, help us make better decisions. And, and that can come from ways that are pretty subtle and ways that are not. Um, and so, but I hope they consider it given how many lives could be saved if we cut down on consumption. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned kind of the social aspect of alcohol, which is really ingrained in our, our society, and, and there, mm-hmm. there's clearly benefits from the social interaction, and I guess if we could do it with, with that alcohol, that would, that, would, that would address that side of it. But is it possible to ascribe a health benefit to, to that, that social aspect and, and incorporate that in terms of, of whether alcohol is, has any, any benefits in that sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's something that's great about our parent study, Global Burden Disease. We're trying to find every way of looking at your health. 
And, and that could be things like reducing your anxiety, reducing your depression, uh, other mental health factors. Um, but when we looked at the evidence for alcohol, we were seeing pretty minimal evidence to suggest it had any relationship to some of those causes, um, such as reducing your anxiety. So, so we, we, we tried. We, we looked at those kind of lifestyle uh, factors in this relationship. But uh, I think our analysis took uh, them into account as best we could. Well, yeah, Canada's on the verge of uh, legalizing cannabis. Obviously, a number of U.S. states have, have legalized cannabis. Um, do, do, we, do, do we get to a point now where we, we need to sort of compare the two and say, here are the comparative risks of alcohol, here are the comparative risks of cannabis, if you feel inclined then for some kind of, uh, of, of substance that maybe here's why you should pick one over the other? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I would hope, uh, you know, a, a heroin user switches to tobacco, a tobacco user switches to alcohol. And uh, at some point we can weigh the same uh, risk versus benefits of alcohol and marijuana. Um, I don't think there's nearly as much research yet uh, in, in that field and to really make a conclusion either way about is it better or worse than alcohol use, cannabis. But um, we're getting to that point. And I think that's the kind of trade-off consumers should consider when they're thinking about these kind of recreational substances. You know, which one's best for them. Right. And, or worse. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, Max, thanks for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Yeah, great. Thank All right, you. take care. I uh, appreciate being on. Thanks. Max Griswold uh, with the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, lead on through the study that appears in The Lancet. So, I mean, it's something to be aware of. Uh, take it with a grain of salt, perhaps, because, you know, maybe we'll see uh, some, some new research come at some point that might suggests the, the opposite. It, it, we do get confusing messages on a lot of these things, but at the same time, I mean, a lot of this is accepted science in terms of the risk that alcohol poses, in terms of the, the risk factors for, for different diseases and conditions, and, and just the toll that alcohol abuse um, you know, gathers each year. It's considerable. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.